2: It's Swindon Town.
0: Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. How are we? Yeah, we're good. It's good to be back for one week and then another week off. Next week, which I'm very much looking forward to. Thoroughly enjoyed JR and Joe's presser. Could Rich's retirement be
3: on the horizon? Ah, the dream. Bit of a theme for po- popular podcast coasts in the Swindon Town community at the moment, but, you know, it's, it was a dynamic duo of the two Joes, but... um. But whilst you are back, it's good to have you, Rich. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're
0: very nice. There was a fans forum this week, uh, which was enjoyed by all. I think it was done by the Trust and the Supporters Club um, with Clem Morphuni, Rob Angus, Sandra D McKayley and Scott Lindsay. Um, we're not going to go through the minutiae of that, but the key points... Well, firstly, they're not going to entertain different kickoffs, So we're not going to see the 3 pm go away
3: anytime soon, which I think people are broadly happy with. Well, it makes sense. If I think um Dale Vince was talking about it and said that the difference in costs, you know, it costs about £150 to have the lights on during a game, and all the costs associated with moving that kickoff time would actually make it more expensive overall. So it, you know if it if it doesn't help anyone, Scott Lindsay talked about this today. He talked about how, you know, it throws off their preparation quite a lot. It changes potentially what the hotel needs might be so they'd have that on top of you know having to travel up there and everything else changing and it just sounded like overall they weren't um you know overly excited of the prospect and at the moment teams would have both teams would have to agree to shift the kickoff time so it's not looking particularly likely we'll see that yeah indeed and the big one
0: really is that the county grounds a deposit well they're looking to pay it by
3: the end of january of next year which is in Incredibly positive news. Exceptionally positive news. It's something that's been, you know, bubbling under the surface for a while. Swindon Town trying to uh, get the stadium bought. But if we're actually looking at a date to make that a reality, it's great news. It gives us um, an asset that I can remember Yasser Kasim talking about on this wonderful podcast um, about that being something that was holding Swindon back. So. If that's no longer a stumbling block, then that's fabulous. It really is.
0: The, here's hoping that those time scales are a dear too. So good luck to the club on that front. So let's talk about this week's presser ahead of the very exciting game, which I hope is exciting anyway, against Northampton Town, uh, attended by yourself, along with Sean Hodgetts of BBC Radio Wiltshire and Johnny Leefield of The Advertiser. Um, we're going to go in the same order as the questions were asked for this one, which started with the cost
3: of living, which is very much linked to the 3pm's, uh, the wasn't it? Yeah, I was looking at that, Change in kickoff times would have to be and all the impacts that potentially be on the club, but focusing on those kickoff times, predominantly following on from from what was talked about at that fans forum last night. Scott Lindsay, as I mentioned, talked about um, all the shifts that it just didn't make it worthwhile. I think he was talking about, you know, you have to change when the pre-match meal is and that becomes like a breakfast, which I, I guess throws people off. There's that classic tweet is it Wayne Rooney or Rio Ferdinand that said i have to have pasta for breakfast so my life's harder than yours you know that kind of thing but it is obviously a bit strange and it ch- throws players off and it just doesn't help particularly so obviously they prefer the 3pm kickoffs again yeah, i imagine more clubs would have to
0: stay over and the night instead of travel on the day, which some clubs would have done had it been 3 p.m. too. So that would have cost. I do wonder whether kickoff times might rev- be reviewed in the future. Who knows? But for now, as you were. Yeah,
3: well, it was that thing with the 3 p.m. blackout that people always talk about, um, you know, having to change kickoff times to do with that so you can have more on TV and watch watch games that way. And it's obviously not something that other countries do. So I imagine this, this sort of thing. This won't be the first or the last we hear of changing kickoff times, but for the time being, it's not something that Swindon are particularly on board with.
0: Yeah, something else we weren't particularly on board with occurred on Monday 16th of May 2022, and that was away at Port Vale. It, it seems to have dragged on forever, but this week Port Vale will fined £15,000 for failing to ensure the club's fans conducted themselves in an orderly fashion following uh, their dramatic penalty shootout victory over Swindon which feels like an eternity ago I think that's pretty much it now
3: um and we 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 must surely now move on well this is probably the last we hear of it I I think Johnny was getting some flashback with something he said about it on Twitter from Port Vale fans wondering why we're bringing it up even though the fine had obviously come down today which you know interesting apparently we're still we're still hung up about it which in many ways we are and I still see it in my nightmares and in my waking days. But um <laughs> you know, it's 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 the it's the it was an interesting fine, it's fair to say, especially in comparison of what Huddersfield received and what they actually did. But, you know, this isn't the my comments on that. Scott Lindsay was mostly talking about in this question um, from Sean Hodditch and then Johnny Leaford later on, um how how he was personally impacted by it and I think afterwards he actually said, um, did he maybe come off a little bit callous with this answer where he said, well, I wasn't affected by it, but, um, you know, he grew up in Scunforce, so it's just sort of a normal day for him, really. You know, people invading spaces, for a quick punch-up that no one, really, well, only one side is really looking for, you know. But I, I think, obviously, he was off to the side in the dugout, so maybe he could have got out a bit quicker than the players could have done. So there wasn't anything on him personally. So he didn't have those impacts. He was, he was just disappointed we didn't win the game, which is, you know, it's what football people think about. And then, as I quickly shipped up my notes to find when he talked about it for the second time, um, he didn't, he didn't want to comment on the fine itself. Um, obviously, I don't think Swindon are going to formally make a complaint, uh, you know, a statement on that at all. That it isn't anything. But well, this is what they've decided. So, well, I don't like it, but I have to go along with it. And that's that. That's that's as far as they can go. But um, you know, I imagine under the surface they're not as in as chuffed as as they have to be seen to be with with what has been handed down to Portman.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, well, we we'll move on from that and move to the game against Northampton Town. We seem to every week um, be playing what feels like reasonably decent opposition in terms of League Two teams going through all right form i know doncaster were having a little wobble when we met them but they started wonderfully well grimsby i don't think had lost since the first game of the season i might be wrong there but that seems to be something i remember and then we put them to the sword and now we have northampton who are uh, you know they they have lost Uh, In the last month or so, they lost in late August, but they are having a superb season and they have won their last four league games on the bounce, uh, most recently a 2-1 win against Stockport County, uh, managed by John Brady, but assisted by the legend that is Colin Calderwood and also former Swindon forward Mark Richards too. So here we go then. Last year was a magnificent day for Harry McCurdy and Swindon fans when a, a quite decent
3: Northampton came to the county ground. What did Scott Lindsay say about Northampton Town? What you say about the teams we've been playing against? I think the last three weeks he played a team that was, that was doing largely rather well, beaten them and moved above them. We can't actually move up above Northampton on Saturday. I think if we win, we move one point behind them. But this is clearly quite a good team. Uh, there's no Mickey taking for Scott Lindsay saying that Northampton are good because they're quite clearly rather good at football this season. Um, you know they've sort of kicked on from where they were last year that disappointing uh, playoff defeat against Mansfield in the semi-finals. Um, you know, but they have they've started really well. He's obviously watched a lot of Northampton this week. Sam Hoskins has 11 goals in 10 games so far this season, which is pretty insane. They're you know really big on their on their set pieces. Uh they've I think he's quoted twelve set piece goals. Maybe that includes throw ins because I'd seen ten as the number of set piece goals. The next best team has four. So they're clearly really good in getting those high percentage situations turned into their favour. And that's gonna be a really big part of the game. But this is all Northampton team on huge confidence. They're clearly a good side and it's gonna be a really tough game.
0: We we need to go a little bit more in depth into what has been an insane season so far for Sam Hoskins because, you know, he's been there for years, hasn't he? He's He's been there for seven years and he's got 11 goals this season. He's played over 250 league games. Eleven goals this season. He's scored fifty-five in his whole Northampton career, which is crazy, isn't it? It's just—it's amazing how that happens. And he's a bit older than Mullin, but it reminds me a bit of bit like him, where he was going from club to club, scoring seven goals, and then it just—it just clicked at Cambridge, and he's not looked back since. It's—it's it's a magnificent season he's having. I think out of the uh, ten games he's played, he's only failed to score in three of them. I
3: think he's scored thirteen goals in his. Um... In his previous two seasons or something like that. So he's not exactly goal shy, but he's having an absolutely absurd season with what's going on. And, you know, Swindon aren't exactly watertight at the back. So um, expect a goal of some description from him. But, you know, they've they've clearly, Scott Lindsay talked about this in my questions later on, but they've worked heavily on how to stop Northampton. I think a lot more than maybe in their previous matches has gone into opposition prep because... We keep hearing with Scotland about wanting them to respect us, but I think when it is a side like Northampton, you do have to take a little bit of extra care on what they can do to you because they can clearly do it rather successfully.
0: Yeah, and if Swindon get a win in in this game, and perhaps more importantly, a clean sheet, it will be very impressive indeed because they are goal scorers, aren't they? They, I think, they've only failed to score once this season, um, and they have twenty one goals. Something that is not they know where the net is or they know where the
3: goal is, but it's a bit
0: more pithy than that
3: <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty much as simple as that they are you know free scoring at the very least, and incredibly potent probably is more accurate but this is this is a real possibly no well, we play late nouren I suppose but you know, it feels like when you get into this into the season a little bit more, you know where teams are. This feels like going into it the biggest test we've had so far.
0: Yeah, and we've said that a few times, but I think this is especially at
3: the county grounds. This is this is one. Yeah, we've barely played at the county ground this season, so it feels like it, it doesn't it? You know, tests are few and far between there, but it's it's certainly going to be an interesting one. They're flying. Swindon are finally in good form. It feels like people are on board. Once even, I think I saw some. Good comments about Sandra Di Michele for the first time yesterday. So, you know, it is, it's clearly, it's clearly a good feeling at Swindon. Hopefully they can move that forward. They're hoping for over 10,000 attendance, Scotland's was talking about today and how that atmosphere can get behind them, which has been improving in early weeks. The atmosphere was akin to that of a, a library with no one in it. And at the moment is <laughs> it's, it's feeling a bit more raucous by the week. So... You know, if we're trending in the direction of last season or a Richie Welland season crowd-wise, and that can only help the team, you know, hopefully they can get behind them. And, you know, because as we've said, this is, this is a big one.
0: Northampton's turnout will, will pretty much see
3: us over the line for 10,000 plus two. They're, they're bringing quite a few, I think, aren't they? Yeah, I've, I've not necessarily seen the full numbers, but you'd, you'd expect a Northampton a pretty big side for the level. And, you know, a team in their sort of form, you would expect good numbers from them. Yes,
0: indeed. So we've talked about set pieces, which he was asked about. Is there anything else that we need to add to
3: the set piece chat? Um, well, I'll, we'll hear a little bit of his answer on on my question later about the set pieces. But you know, is talk, when you are thinking about defending a side like that, it is is just about putting in the more hours and really understanding what you are going to do. And I think, as I say again, linking back to my answer, he does give a good um, hint into what, how they're defending set pieces this season. and uh, what we can do to, um, you know, and what the strategy is to try and stop them. Yeah,
0: sure. Okay, then let's go into uh, fitness then. So we'll, we'll start with Louis Reed, who missed the Grimsby game. And it was big because we don't usually win when Louis Reed isn't in the team. That that run
3: thankfully ended, but is he back for Northampton? Yeah, I think that was the first time we've we've won without him since he's arrived, but... He's, he is fit and ready to go. I, I don't think I've certainly not heard specifically what Reed was out with, but he it must have been a sort of a small knock that they didn't want to risk him with. But he is fit and ready to go. He's you know fully firing. There's there doesn't seem to be any doubt that will play especially with Khan suspension. So it should be Louis Reed. I even saw some well when I was um, asking for some ideas on articles earlier in the week. People someone said that you know do you think Reed will get back in the team? Which, is, which showed just how, how excited people were by that Grimsby result. Do you think he comes back into the team? I would be very surprised if he didn't come back in the team. I'm trying to think of various it's things. Khan's,
0: Khan's suspended, isn't he? Yeah, so. there's, there's no
3: Khan. <laughs> and Your only other option is possibly Aguiar, which I would be surprised by. I'm trying to think of various big-ticket items I could put on the line, looking around and not necessarily seeing any. But I will put uh, my own dignity on the line that Louis Reed will start. Well done for risking dignity.
0: Yeah, um, it's, it's always important. It absolutely is. Um, Johnny Williams, let's do international watch then, fitness-wise. Johnny Williams has had a tough week, hasn't
3: he? Yeah, really, really tough, gruelling uh, period for Johnny Williams. Um, as, as I said, we sometimes we get a peel back behind the curtain of the banter on the dressing room. <laughs> and Scott Lindsay um, said to Johnny Williams that he's just basically had a holiday for the last week. So. He's, you know, he didn't get a, any minutes at all for Wales, which, as JR and I said last week, is frankly a travesty. It should be a sackable offence for Rob Page, whilst he's, I believe, been given a new contract. Um, <laughs> you know, but he's he's going to be fully fully ready to go. I think the Jacob Wakeling experiment looked like it did quite well against Gilliam on against Grimsby on the wing, but um, you would be a lot like Louis Reed, very surprised if he. If Will Williams didn't slot straight back into the team,
0: yeah, and the the other the big one, the worrying one was Rashan Hepburn Murphy, um, and I think Scott Lindsay put a kind of positive brave face on this. It started quite negative, and then
3: he's putting his faith in the medics. What's the damage? Yeah, this isn't good. I actually had a bit of um, hope on Rashan because um, there didn't seem to, he didn't seem to put on Instagram any sort of you know, negative thoughts or I'll be back soon kind of thing. None of the players did. They were quite positive following the Grimsby game, which made me believe maybe it's just a small aggravation or something, but it's a different injury. Um, he's uh, torn his hamstring tendon, which sounds very painful. And he's out for what, what, you know, but with the finality of his answer, sounded like a conservative estimate of 10 weeks. So, you know, with all that Rashan's been through, it's really not great to hear that he's out for another fairly extended period. Uh, they're they're really really disappointed for him. Scott Lindsay though uh, talked about his mentality and the medical staff we've got here, which we've seen have worked wonders with a lot of injury prone players over the last year or so. So you know there is some hope for it, but um, you know it, it wasn't this it wasn't a repeat of the old injury; it's a new one. And yeah. you know, it likely caused by the fact he hasn't really played football in quite some time, which is tough for him but somewhat unavoidable. Um, Johnny followed this up in his questions with, you know, was there any sort of um, regret in bringing him on when they did and using him um, in the fashion that they did against Grimsby because of the re, you know, of him re-injuring himself? And Scott said that, you know, obviously if it had happened quite quickly, this injury then maybe they would have had some sort of regret about it but it you know he'd if sorry if it had um, been quite later on but because he injured himself very quickly it was something that could have happened at any point really even in training so there wasn't necessarily anything any extra cotton wool that needed to be wrapped around him and anything it was just something that was unfortunate and seemed somewhat inevitable
0: yeah really unfortunate for him and Let's hope it's more the eight weeks than the ten weeks for him. Otherwise, you have Christmas off. It's no bad thing. Uh,
3: Has he gone very early on the old Kevin
0: (laughs) Nolan? I'd have absolutely done that
3: if I was a pro footballer without hesitation. Oh, absolutely. You know, you get... You get the day off and it's it's just more fun. I think even someone like Simeone would respect that level of housery. Yeah,
0: Yes, 12 more weeks till Christmas. So, you know, hard luck, Rashaan. <laughs> you'll be you'll be coming back just in time for those fixtures. I hope all goes well on that uh, return to fitness. Uh, and that's pretty much it in terms of injuries apart from that all good to go. Yeah, obviously there's there's the
3: lingering Adaloy injury which, you know, is He's known at this point, so it doesn't need to be restated again. I think he was three weeks last week, so he's a, gonna be a week closer, but he's not ready to be involved. And we've seen you know, divine and the are pretty much back involved now. So I think, I think the list now just reads Rashad Hatburn Murphy and Tommy Adaloy.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. So the next question was about data review. Talk
3: to me about it. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I think this is something that was from the fans forum, um, because it was uh. Again, harking back to something that they, Sandra talked about and they you know, reviewing their start to the season with Scott Lindsay and Sandra D. Michele about, um, you know, looking at the data and seeing what it showed them. And Scott Lindsay said that mostly it was stuff that he could sort of tell himself, but it's, you know, it's good to have that sort of backup, which is, you know, generally how you look to use data. It would be, you know, there's the eye test and seeing if those two things agree with each other. And um, I think it essentially told us stuff that we'd asked about beforehand, Scott Lindsay. You know, they're defending, you know, they need to be stronger in defending. And they're asking a little bit too much of Solbrin so far, although he is doing rather spectacularly with those two consecutive Man of the Match or um, Player of the Month awards for Swindon. So, you know, clearly whatever they're putting on his plate, he's happy to eat at the moment. But they, they would like they would like his portion sizes to be just a touch smaller. Um, you know, to work on defending in that way. And um, the other thing was, again, we've I think pe- people have been asking for more shots and range. And once again, we're going back to chief data analyst for Swindon Town, Joe Ackland's stats on how we were shooting too much from outside the area, and they need to maybe work the ball into better areas more often, specifically looking towards crossing and how their crossing numbers for the league are quite low, but. Um, they're crossing in more high percentage areas. He used the example of the goal against Sutton, where Romeo Hutton is in quite a good, is in a reasonable position to cross, and where a normal team probably would cross from. But then we recycle possession, switched it across, and then Fraser Blake Tracy is then in a better position to be able to cross, and we score the goal from there. So, you know, they're I think fairly content with their lower crossing numbers if they're doing it in the right situations. But they are generally hoping to take more shots from them high percentage areas of the box which I had highlighted to him earlier in the season.
0: You mentioned Sol Bryn there because of those final minutes against Grimsby because of those player of the month awards it's inevitable that his name is going to continue to be mentioned but in fairness they keep harking back to that same old story about him and Ward having the same amount of time in pre-season he went with Bryn and
3: nobody's looked back since except for Ward who's left the club yes it's a favoured anecdote of Scott Lindsay at the moment were you to attend an an evening with Scott Lindsay's stage performance he would drop his old big old book on the table dust it off and tell him tell everyone about the time on the eve of the Harrogate game when he decided to choose Solbrin based on the work he'd done in pre-season but you know he went from that I don't need to reiterate it because we've heard it quite a bit, but. You know, he talks then from that point against Harrogate where they conceded those goals. He he said that he thought that one of them was definitely Svelbrin's fault, which I assume is the one where uh, he comes out and doesn't get to the ball. Um, yeah. But he it was, it was said at least one. So I don't know. I don't recall the other two being particularly his fault, but they've analysed them a little bit more than I have. But um, <laughs> just, just his reaction to those situations and you know, how he was, you know, he's, he uh, he hasn't he wasn't phased by that sort of thing. And he was happy to keep going with it, and obviously there was the stuff with people uh, prior to the Salford game. People um you know giving him stick behind the goal in the warm ups, which allegedly happened. So um you know and dealing with that stuff and not letting it impact him, and then just you know improving his process and making sure he did the right stuff. And we're seeing the fruits of that big time because he has been absolutely spectacular. Jojo Walcott, who. Mm, yeah, yeah, good for him. Uh, goal kicks
0: was the next question, so so we sort of like everything's all right on the goalkeeper front. Talk to me about goal kicks.
3: Yeah, this was another one that was um, was a, a feature of the fa- fans forum from the previous evening, which I think Sean Hodgerton clearly enjoyed and taken quite a few notes on to ask his questions based upon. But um, it was it was where Scott Lindsay was. I, I heard some people talk about how they were happy that. Happy with Scott Lindsay's explanation of why they play out from the back. This wasn't necessarily something I realised people needed um, explaining to them, but it was just in terms of how Swindon looked to play out, even from goal kick situations. They don't want to play it long because obviously they've got shorter forwards, and suddenly you're reducing your percentage of keeping the ball and you allow the opposition to attack you again, which isn't what you want, uh, generally speaking, in football. So they're, they're talking about how you know Swindon are looking to play. They play shorter and they're happy if teams try and set plats for, traps for them because they're looking to play through someone. And if you invite them on to you a bit more, um, which people might have heard about Roberto Zerbi after his recent appointment at Brighton, something that he likes to do is invite teams on to Preston because they're happy with their ability to play around them. And then suddenly when you do that, you get more players who are out of the game and it's easier to attack. So no, Scott Lindsay was talking about how they're trying to do that and then it's, when teams do try and stop them by pressing higher, it's about finding the solutions to um, evade that press and play past them. And generally speaking, they're getting better at that and have been pretty fine in it most of the time. And Solbrin's longer distribution hasn't been ideal anyway. So even if we were trying to play longer, I'm not sure that best suits anyone on the field. Wonderful to have a Shapdar Donetsk reference, really, on this podcast. Well done. Always here to oblige
0: of the niche Eastern European football stuff. Yeah, also a good song by Joe Strummer. Um, So, you know, that's my contribution. Sure, I've not heard it, but I'll take your word for it. Please do. Okay, I think they do spell it wrong on the track list. Oh, come on. Okay, then. So we move on away from goal kicks, away from goalkeepers, and on to the next probable anecdote from the <laughs> fans forum that's found its way um, into this one. Hodgetts really was going for it, wasn't he? The lack of days off for Scott Lindsay, so committed to the cause. He's not given himself much time off, but he acknowledged quite fairly that he needs to be better at that.
3: Yeah, I think the the point here, and obviously people. Swindon fans who have started to like Scott Lindsay's passion will probably take this point and make Yes, he loves it! He loves Swindon! But I think it is largely a consequence of him being a rookie manager and he doesn't, you know, he's still working out how to best utilise his time. Uh, he has taken the one day off and it was for his daughter's birthday and he, I think it's probably fair enough, he decided he wasn't going to work on that day. But, you know, there is a lot that goes into being a football manager. I don't know if anyone has listened to Moment of Truth from the BBC where Um, If you haven't listened to it, definitely do because it involves the moment where Oxford don't get promotion, and that's always fun. Um, But it's it you know it shows behind the curtain of a manager's life, and essentially Paul Warren and Carl Robinson talking, just basically say, yeah, I never do anything else but think about football and think about the team. And you know when when you're not watching, when you're not coaching or planning coaching, you're watching film and uh, planning tactics and whatnot. So there is a lot to do. But Scott Lindsay was talking about how he needs to you know, put, put his time better and so he can have more than one day off because it seems, I don't want to say necessarily illegal for him to have that little time off. But, you know, it's it's not best for him in the long term because he'll have burnout. But also, you know, he needs to he needs to work on how he's using his time, become more familiar in the role, and eventually he'll be able to take that time off because he'll have already done the stuff. Yep, you're in the gig now. You don't have to impress
0: Clem or Fooney with the lack of holiday. Have yourself a day off every now and again, Scott Lindsay, please. Um, Before we get to your questions, there's one more. Johnny loves a stat, doesn't he? Um, An interesting one came in at the end of this presser where he was asking about the playoffs. And historically, those that are in the top 10 after 10 games tend to be around there come game 46, which... I was quite surprised with, and Scott Lindsay cited a couple examples
3: which go against that rule, but encouraging stuff. Yeah, it's, it's one of those classic Lindsay's where if you give them a positive stat and say, what do you think about this? They're like, yeah, I like it. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I was slightly surprised by, you know, that teams in the top 10 after 10 games uh, usually stay in the top 10. I guess maybe you focus on the outliers, but it always feels like there's at least one team that comes from nowhere, bit Bristol Rovers, or I remember a few years ago, uh, Crew Alexandra coming in, finishing the season in great form. So you know, it, obviously, teams do come from far back, and you know, we're not just because we're eighth now doesn't mean we're going to finish third. Because you know, this previously in history, teams who are top ten after ten games tend to stick there. You do obviously to keep going, and teams can teams can get on form because you know, it is my firmly held belief that League Two teams on the whole are fairly all right. And most of it's about form, so you know, when you become the team that are feeling better about yourselves and you do get on a hot streak and start to climb the table. So, you know, I, I don't think this is necessarily a stat to think, well, we've done it, boys, get the feet up. Um, <laughs> um but oh. but it isn't a bit well, obviously it's disappointing to hear, but um I think we do probably need to try at least a little bit longer. Yeah, okay. Okay. So I can't, I can't declare nothing can go wrong now. Is that is that what we're saying? Yeah, Scott, uh, Scott Lindy doesn't want you to. And I think just generally speaking, uh, you've watched Swindon for longer than I have. And you know, oh, things yes. rarely go right for more than a few weeks. So expecting them to go right for another couple of months seems uh, <laughs> slightly far-fetched, at least. Okay, good advice. Let's listen
0: to your audio, if that's okay with you.
3: Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, Scott, I was, I've been looking into... Luke Jeffcott a little bit this week, he got his first goal, how do you feel he's setting into your style and he, is he everything you wanted when you brought him in?
4: Yeah, he's, he's settled in really well, um, he's trained really well, um, I've been really pleased with how he's trained, I've been really pleased with obviously um, his performances as well when he's been on the pitch. Um, he's, uh, he's a real problem to centre-halves, um, you know, I, I feel as if he gets in, he finds spaces. He gets in between centre halves. He he, he ghosts off them. You know, you saw his goal on, on Saturday where he just found himself in acres in a in a crowded box. You know, he's just got that kind of knack of finding them spaces. And of course, he took his goal away really well. Um, so yeah, really pleased with his uh, with his input so far.
3: Yeah, and then looking back, to set pieces. Obviously, they're dominant. They've got over double the next most team. How confident are you in stopping them in doing those areas? Well, I'm
4: really confident because we've been good on set pieces defensively. Um, so, you know, we've got a way of defending set pieces that I think has been good. Of course, every game's different. Um, every opposition's different. Every opposition throws something different at you, and you've got to be able to cope with it and deal with it. But in, in general, we've been really good defensively from, from corners. Um, uh, I can only, well, we've only conceded one from a corner, which was a second phase of a corner, which was Harrogate away. Um, we've only conceded from a free kick, um, which was a second phase deep free kick, which was Stockport away. So, in general, I think we've had a lot of balls thrown in our box defensively. And I think we've dealt with it really well.
3: Have you invested more time into that this week?
4: Yeah, yeah. We've changed kind of how we've gone about uh, defending our set pieces this year. Um, I went to a, a meeting, um, a referees meeting, and they were kind of clamping down on. Grappling in the box, you know, you see where defenders grapple with with forwards in the box, and I felt that it was probably the right time for me to change to marking zonally or zonal instead of marking, as it were, based on the fact that I didn't want to. I felt that there could have been a lot of penalties um, given from referees from grappling. I thought I don't want to kind of get into that, so we've gone a real strong structure of, of zoning, and, and it's it's worked. Yep,
0: that's all from me. Thanks. Thank you. There we go. So set pieces and Jeffcott chat. I guess what we always go with with these conversations is: Did you get what you wanted? Starting with set pieces, did you get the reply
3: you were looking for? Yes, it was a it was a good reply, I must say. I, yeah, it was. It was. I, I have been thinking about writing about set pieces a little bit because they are. It is it's something that's interested me. And then we got this this lovely anecdote about Scott Lindsay attending a. Um, a refereeing conference or talk or whatever it was. Does this guy know how to party or what? <laughs> I know, it's anecdote central today as well, which is always great. <laughs> it's, it's more like attending a stand-up show than a press conference at the moment. Um, it was, <laughs> The going is good. Talk about how... Um, I, again, this is something that I don't necessarily know to be true because I remember when they did try and enforce putting in corners, it basically only penalised Stoke and then they scrapped it after two weeks. But apparently the directive is for refs to look more into defenders grappling from set pieces so Swindon decided to switch from a man marking system to a zonal marking system and if you do watch out for this and I have noticed it a few times, it is quite interesting where they essentially dare the other teams to um, cross it into the six yard box and if they get it at all wrong someone just heads it away but um, uh, you know, Swindon defended set pieces pretty well so far um, they've only conceded twice and you know, there was the one at Stockport, which was the second phase. And I couldn't remember the other one, but he said that it was also a second phase. So their initial defending in set pieces is generally speaking very good. So, you know, they come in with the Northampton game of confidence. Um, as I said earlier, and this this was interesting to note, that they have devoted more attention to working on their set piece defending than they would normally, when it's quite such a strength. Uh, you know, if you're weird and bored, uh, the set piece goal stat for League 2 do look make for some quite remarkable reading with Northampton at 10 and the next team at four so far this season. So they're quite good at this, but Swindon are are pretty strong at defending and it was interesting to hear Scott talk about that process and why they've decided to defend as they have.
0: Yeah, um, I'm 39 years old who's almost got 500 podcasts. I think I qualify for both weird and bored. (laughs) Well, I
3: I didn't want to say, but um, you know,
0: Attacking wise with set pieces, I've been a big fan of the introduction of the uh, England 2018 choo-choo train. Yeah,
3: I love the love train. Um, it's always <laughs> great to see it busted out. If Glenn Hoddle could, you know, co-comes on BBC Wiltshire, once I'm sure he'd pointed out, which was, I think, during the Panama game, the best part of that tournament was Glenn saying that. Um, but it's 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 a proved to be a pretty solid tactic, and in Swindon, Swindon could get. Uh, the right bounce on one of Fraser Blake Tracy's many, many headers. The man cannot be defeated in the air. Um, you know, uh, it would be it would be quite productive if we could become like Northampton.
0: <laughs> Indeed, it would. Jeffcott was your next question. I'm really happy with how it's going with Luke Jeffcott. Um, a signing. I was over the moon with in terms of his potential and what he's
3: done so far in his career and I think
0: all round everyone's happy.
3: Yeah well Rich you've fallen for my uh, masterful ploy of asking this question so that I could plug my article about how Luke Jeffcott is fitting in but I you know he scored for the first time so it was relevant. Uh, it was you know just seeing if Scott Lindsay has got what he wanted from Jeffcott so far and I think as, as I point out um you could you could see the Owen Doyleness of what Luke Jeffcott is providing for Swindon. I think there's maybe a little bit more off the ball work from Jeff but he's you know he, we've seen quite a lot of times he's even when he hasn't scored, I can think of many chances at Gillingham and Sutton where he where he's in the right area and you know gets that shot off and gets the chance off and if Swindon aren't getting the ball into high quality areas at the moment, that might be because they didn't have the right player to do that. Um, Luke Jeffcott is someone who exclusively lives in um, areas where if you shoot it's 0.7 XG. So um, he's, he's the player to do that and I think Scott Lindy is very happy of what they're seeing so far. Yeah, um, we all look forward to the constant references to the wristwith Alan Shearer, which doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to go with it and trademark it. Well, I I think you should get yourself off to that trademark office immediately, because that's gold, and also quite (laughs) a bit of a, quite a tongue twister. Quite a (laughs) (laughs) twister.
0: Uh, we had a new guest to the presser this week, a new player, someone who hasn't played that much, but has his Northampton Town links, which is great because, again, considering this is a presser for Northampton, we've barely talked about them. So it was a it's a it's a relief that Morgan Roberts was the uh, was the player guest for
3: this one. How did you find him? Yeah, he was it was nice to speak to. I think um, the suggestion was prior to the fact he probably hadn't done much media before, and I think that's probably fair. But he was. It's very nice. He he did speak a little bit about um, you know, about his time, and he he seemed at least fairly thoughtful. So it was it was a good first effort for Morgan Roberts. As as I continue to just evaluate and eviscerate all of our players on their performance in these pre match press conferences, which as I've <laughs> yeah. personally stated, are basically pointless.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Ryan's job previously was to convince me otherwise, but when we're both agreeing. What hope is there? Um, in terms of his transfer to Swindon, there can be, it's a bit of a cliche when they talk about, oh, it happened very quickly for me, etc. But when you play for Banbury and a League Two club comes in for you and it works very quickly, that must have been very exciting indeed.
3: Yeah, I think it must have been very quick because, um, as I, I recall, being in the county ground at three o'clock on, on deadline day and being told who we were going to sign and I was told everyone, but Morgan Roberts's name didn't come up. Um, so I think it must have come out about at least fairly quickly because Dave Rickson clearly hadn't been told that it was coming. Um, but yeah, I, I think he said he was told the night before, and obviously he was up for it because, well, you know, league football. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, he's he said that he'd been down to Banbury he was there for about a year and a half, and the goal was always to get take the step back up, having left Northampton. And when the chance came up, he was very happy to do so. And he put in the lovely side comment of, you know, Swinders the a historic club. So no doubts at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we all say,
0: really, in terms of like, you know, you drop down to the sixth or seventh tier. And of course, the the goal is always to get back in the Football League. But I would probably... Wager that the majority who have that ambition do not reappear in the pro game. So, for him to be released in twenty twenty one by Northampton, drop into non league, and this was well, they were Southern League at this point, and to get that
3: return to the pro league is a great achievement for him. You know, it it is always a, a gamble. We've seen with a lot of our own players this, this summer. People, people like Marcel Lavinia, Tom Clayton, they bet on themselves. Um, and Morgan Roberts did that when he dropped in. You can get... Because there's, you know, there's not loads of coverage and teams aren't always looking. So you know you can get lost if you drop down there, even if you are playing well. So for Morgan Roberts to do that, show that he had what it took to get back into the Football League and then take the chance when it came up, he's, he's done very well to get there, really. He really has. Do you think he'll play at any point this weekend? Um, I would be surprised if he did play. I think the... No, he didn't play last weekend, and Johnny Williams is back again. Who would, you know, plays in one of the positions he might be hoping to fill, um, possibly shoves him slightly further down the um the pecking order once again. But I've been very impressed with what I saw from him again in the Plymouth game. So, you know if if that chance does come, I think he it will be well deserved, and I think he can p- produce for us. You know, you're
0: a consummate pro, Joe, but we do have to highlight on your. Uh, live blog. Uh, it's a question about Morgan Roberts settling in. Your reply or your analysis to this was very fast. Boys are lovely. Yada yada. I'm a bit
3: behind. Yeah, I well, I I like to enjoy myself on live blogs, and also, as I previously stated, players speak way too fast. So <laughs> I, I I had the I wasn't quite prepared for when he was about to begin. Um, I had stupidly turned my phone off of the um, voice recorder. So I had to, while Sean Hodges was talking, get that back up, get it recording, and then start the start typing what he was saying. So even by that point, I was about to, at least half a question behind. And you usually lose a bit of time while well, during a question. So I decided that his answer of, you know, he's settling quite quickly and the boys are welcoming, didn't require all of the detail in the world. And so I um, I don't want to say mocked him. But I I put in a little joke instead. The struggle is real.
0: How do you feel Morgan Roberts sees this? Or how do you think the club see his signing? Are we talking like a bit like Aguilar last year, where he came in, was gonna go out on loan, but because of injuries he came back, did very well, and then, you know, he, he kind of tailed off nearer to the end. Do you envisage the, the plan for Morgan Roberts to be be around the first team until about January? And then maybe go back to Banbury, go somewhere else on loan, get some minutes in before coming back pre-season next year with an intention of getting more minutes in the firsts?
3: Well, I think he's in quite an interesting position. Um, Actually, in a similar position to where Aguiar is now, where in terms of natural wingers, you would say we probably have four in Tyree Shade, um, Johnny Williams, Romeo Hutton and himself. So there is probably going to be call for him at some point in the first team. But it's whether or not you think it's worth keeping him around to do that, or, you know, you take a small gamble, play someone out of position if needed, and get Morgan Roberts the game time he needs. He's definitely not someone they see as obviously a regular starter right from the jump, but players like Tom Clayton have surprised them already. So, you know, if, if he can I think it is about these early weeks, if he can get a chance on the pitch and take it or perform really well in training, I could definitely see him sticking around with it's the full season. But you know, if, if maybe the, the minutes aren't there, then they'll suit by sort of November time, probably think it's more beneficial to get him back out to Banbury or maybe even into the National League if they can find a club willing to take him. Sure. Okay, well, we'll
0: see. And we're going to listen to your audio. I don't think there's much point in doing so, but really. hey, why not,
3: right? Well, it, it's an answer. it's a question that once again was very much on the fly and was... That poorly thought through, but he answered it just about. Yeah, here it is. It's going to sound like a strange question, but obviously, would have got two players at Banbury now on loan. Did you have any process in talking to Scott and Sandra about the club and what they're like with developing? Clubs? No, not, not at all, really. I've, it was, you know, as we said that that deadline day all happened quite quickly. Um, you know, for I think for me and the club, really. Um, Harry Parsons was was already there when um, for a, a week or two, I think, but before I came here. So, not that I'm aware of that there was any, you know, anything involved with me. But, you know, I'm, I'm not too sure. But I don't think so. <laughs> That's all for me. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> what, what do we? How? What do we need to analyze from this? Uh, pro- probably just needs to put up put a big old mirror in front of my face and make me have a good old chat with myself. Um, there, there's not loads that you want to ask someone who isn't going to play. To be perfectly honest, um, I took a punt on maybe he'd he you know he'd been asked about Danbury when they sent Modabra there, but uh, I, I think maybe that was either part of the deal to get him that they we would send them some players, or you know it was it was already in process and it, they didn't care. So you know, hastily improvised question doesn't work. Uh, it won't be on anyone's report of his interview. Sorry. <laughs> Forgiven. So
0: before we close then, um, Northampton Town, they've got some great players having some good times. John Guthrie's is continuing um, to become quite a, a favourite at Northampton at the back. Sam Hoskins having the uh, the 10 games of his career. They've got experience in Danny Hilton who still hasn't scored, but he's there. Ali Koiki will know about and um, plenty going on sadly our former player of the year kino is not having a great time there he's played one sub appearance in the league and then he, he he was in a he was in a cup game where they got absolutely decimated and i think he got injured i think that was Ipswich, where they lost 6-0 and he's not been playing since so he's only got two games in all appearances so far and i don't think we'll see him this weekend they score lots do is it just a case of just doing our thing and not fear anybody? Um, or do you think they'll they'll, they'll make some sort of tactical changes
3: for this one? I, I think it's it's what Scott Lindsay always says. It is you know, we're at home, we're we're they aren't particularly possession heavy as a side, and I think we can try and take the initiative and pin them back and you know, defend well by just not letting them attack that much and not giving Sam Hoskins as much of a sniff. As he usually has, obviously you are going to concede set pieces, and I think the key moments will be almost entirely about how Swindon defend those. I have a suspicion this is going to be high scoring, which means it'll but, um, <laughs> it will be nil nil. But I think Swindon are becoming a bit of a bit of a potent attack, and Northampton are clearly one. Um, this is, is I think, this is going to be exciting, and it can be a, a real barometer of Swindon's um, potential at the top top end of the table. That we a playoff chasing side or could we even turn ourselves into an automatics one if we put on a a good show against Northampton I think key to that is going to be playing the game on our terms as Scott Lindsay always wants to do All you need to know is I cannot
0: wait for this back-to-back Saturday Tuesday home game fiesta
3: of football I'm really looking forward to them both Oh absolutely we've you know it's somewhat a joke but it really feels like we haven't played at the counterground all that much this season I'm, I get paid, so I want to be there. But I, yeah, you know, I'm just really excited to watch the team um, at the counterground. it's it's always good fun. I'm
0: going with two two um, with prediction, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. What
3: are you going for? I'm gonna go. I was I was thinking draw, but. Um, I I need to make up some points on these predictions soon. So I'm going to go 3-2 to Swindon. Oh, that'd be magnificent. And
0: it's been a great week, really, because there's been no peril in any discussions, including in this press conference. There's not been any poking of the bear, so to speak. So it's really, really nice. And I'm not going to end this on, it's bound to end at some point, but
3: it's just been such a breath of fresh air the last week, hasn't it? Oh, it's 100% going to, this bubble's going to burst probably pretty quickly, but... It's it's nice to see a, a Swindon fan base that are contented. We haven't seen it since May time, I think it would be fair to say. The start of this season has been quite infighty between the Lindsay doesn't know what he's doing and the, well, we should give him some time brigades. Um, and people have come together, people are happy. All, all the reports from uh, Wednesday night were positive, so... It's it's a good time to be a Swindon fan, which in my experience means it's almost certainly very quickly going to be a bad time to be a Swindon fan. (laughs) Uh, Until then, let's hope the the love train
0: chugs along nicely until, what, Monday? Joe, thank you
3: very much. Choo-choo, Rich. Choo-choo.
0: The Below Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down influenced by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore.
2: What a guy. Thanks for listening.
1: Come on Swindon. Hello bubble.
2: Hi Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy.